Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio. Join us each week as we delve into some of life's most complex questions. It's time to explore the unexplained with your hosts, Karen Frazier and Rick Hale. It is Thursday night, and if you can hear our voices, you're exactly where you need to be. She is Karen Frazier. I am Rick Hale. This is Paranormal Underground Radio at HazyRadio.com. Welcome. Good evening, Karen. How are you? Hello. I am very well. Thank you. I am missing the first Seahawks game of the year so that I can be here. Well, thank you. Yes, that's how special you all are to me. <laughs> so, uh, so besides the uh, Seahawk game, what's uh, anything new, anything exciting, anything ghostly or paranormal going on? Um, no, I've had a quiet week. Good. Yes. Good. How about you? Uh, last Friday, Chuck and I, we, um, we filmed uh, episode two of Eerie Events at um, Rejoice Antiques and Consignment in Oswego. It's like literally oh, with... Yeah. It's like... Yeah, it's like within walking distance of Chuck's house. You could you could walk there, and um, it was a neat place. Of course, it was one of the hottest days of the summer, and they didn't have air conditioning. Of course, so. it was. Oh yeah, and <laughs> I put a put a video of myself that I that Chuck took with my phone on my Facebook page, and uh, people are like, "Oh my god, you know, you got sweat stains." It's like, no, I just got caught out in the rain. So it like rained on me as I was taking pictures of the outside of the place. No, so it wasn't a, a video of you sweating profusely and. Looking no. like you just committed a financial crime or something then. <laughs> no, 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 no. I got rained on. And, I, and um, even my wife was like, oh, man, you were sweating. Did you really have to put that on there? It's like I was caught in the rain. <sighs> well, you get those big, huge uh, summer cloud bursts out there in Chicago oh, yeah. land. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, otherwise it was a really uh, it was a really good investigation. Um, used some new stuff. Uh, tried some experiments. Um but you know what? In in the end, of course, with any investigation, you, you have to wait until you listen to the evidence. It's you know ninety percent of it. What kind of new stuff did you use? Well, we do we did a thing that uh, some people call the Singapore theory, where you read headlines or act out things from the past or play music. Oh so yeah, we do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to try it for the first time. So I downloaded some music from. Um, from the 18, uh, downloaded a song from the 1890s, a couple from the 1920s, uh, some big band from big band era back in the 40s, and some Elvis Presley from the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, played some music, asked some questions, and you know, we'll just have to wait and see if anything, uh, you know, bit. It's like a, a supernatural fishing, as I like to call it. Sure. Well, so I actually have a theory about this. Okay. Um, and it's based on experiments that we have done in certain places where. With the music, we've used music of the era, but Mm -hmm. we've done it in two different ways. We've done it through, like on our iPhones, Mm -hmm. recorded music, and then we've done live music, somebody playing an instrument, somebody singing, things like that. And we've had more response. Well, which one do you think we've had more response to? Uh, The people playing the instrument, the live music. The live music. So my theory is because everything with spirits is actually, even though we speak out loud and things, it's actually all telepathic communication. So someone playing an instrument is, even though they're vibrating the reed or whatever it is to make that instrument play, Mm -hmm. they're spiritually feeling that music when they play it. 
And right. so, therefore, they're communicating it tele- uh, telepathically to the spirits, where when we play it on an iPhone or something, we're less likely to be actually communicating with that music, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense, because I've oftentimes wondered that about EVP, too, because you really think to yourself, it's like, okay, how does something that lacks the necessary hardware is able to imprint its voice on, um, you know, on, on a recorder? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think that, um, well, they're actually speaking to you. Some people think that they're doing it telepathically, that their their voice is actually coming through you and imprinting itself or other people think that, and I, I actually kind of believe this myself too, it's the universal consciousness theory. Um, mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it's, there's so many problems with EVP and so many different questions and so many different things. But at the end of the day, we really don't know. You can theorize all you want, um, but that's all you have is theory and conjecture. Sure. Absolutely. But we have, we have noticed that live performed music has... Gets more results, yeah, than pre-recorded stuff. So that's just kind of an interesting thing to keep in mind. And of course, what I think EVP is, is or even when like a ghost appears on camera or anything else, I think it's psychokinesis. I think it psychokinetically imprints itself. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely of that mind too. Because it's like the the camera, the the camera is going to take a take the take what you see with the human Mm -hmm. eye. That's what it's designed to do. Um, but it doesn't always, because sometimes people are pointing a camera at something they see, mm-hmm. and it doesn't show up. Right. Actually, yeah, that's what I was getting to right there. Okay, so it's, sorry. No, 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 it's fine. But again, I mean, is it is it something that is telepathic? Is it something that's psychokinetic? You know, we just, we don't know. We don't, we don't know enough yet about the spirit realm to say, yep, that's it, 110%, that's what it is. Right, right. And I know the prevailing theory for most parapsychologists, I know when we ask Lloyd Auerbach about it, for instance, he'll tell you it's it's psychokinetic. Yeah. So it's interesting to talk about anyway, because, you know, I was, I've become so jaded with EVPs, Rick, it's really funny. Mm -hmm. I was, because... You know, I hear them now, and I'm like, oh, yeah, here's another EVP. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and I still do get excited when we get a really good one. Mm -hmm. But I think back to that very first time that I recorded something and heard that voice. And I was the one standing there holding the recorder. And I went back and listened, and I heard that voice. And the thought was, holy shitballs, there was someone standing right next to me. Right. We did this. Do you remember that? Fe- I mean, it's been so long now, but I remember that feeling, the first several EVPs. And now, I mean, I think they're interesting and they're cool and they get me, I still get excited about them. But I don't have that initial, like the first time I heard it and thought, oh, they were right there next to me and I didn't even know it. Yeah. Well, also, too, I mean, you you being a psychic, of course, you're going to be able to sense spirits that are, you know, next to you. And now, since you've opened yourself up a little bit more with that, yeah, I mean, I can see how you would not be jaded or cynical, but just like this is old hat, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 very different. But like we did um, an invest. It wasn't an investigation. We had a former client who was having some problems. It's something that I told you guys about off air. Because right. I just uh, I don't want to share a lot of it on air, but um, I actually went back and listened to the audio of this, which was really a very intense experience that we had in the moment, and um, 
Mishaela was one of the people there. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's been on the show many times. And um, you, there were, were all women in the room, and you can hear her. She says something, and then she says, right? And so another woman says, right? And then a male voice goes, right? And I, <laughs> so I sent that to her because there were no men in the room. And, I mean, you know, here's somebody who talks to dead people all the time, and her response was still like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just uh, I, personally me. I still really do get excited when I see something or when I hear something, and I oh, just me too. Yeah. Oh yeah, but it, it's I, th- I think that that's like the uh, I think, but I think that's why we stay in the field is the yeah. uh, is the wonderment of it all. It is, but it's not. But it's still not like back when I didn't understand, mm-hmm. and when I sort of had the spidey sense, but I didn't use the psychic abilities. Okay. And. You know, I used to, back before I decided to get involved, more involved in the paranormal again, back when I was pretending that ghosts weren't real, you know, mm-hmm. um, there used to be a, these, and I, there may still be, huge galleries of EVPs online. Sure. And I would go, and before I'd done any paranormal investigation or any of that, I would go and I'd listen to these EVPs. And I'd just be like, <gasps> you know. <laughs> Yeah. So, it's I. It's just I. There's part of me that misses that really early. I and you're right. I still think it's really cool, and I get really excited. But mm-hmm. I miss that initial where I didn't understand what was going on. Right. And I and it was kind of spooky and kind of, you know, it was like this big mystery. Right. And it feels like it feels like less of a mystery to me now. Maybe. Yeah. Because I do it all the time. Exactly. You know, it's... It, it's it, like it, having sex for the first time and then, you know, afterwards. I mean, it's always great. You always like it. Right. But right. it's never the same as when... In the in the beginning. Yeah. When you kind of have that, oh, my God, this is so creepy. And I remember I had captured one of my earlier EVPs that I captured. Mm-hmm. And um, a former college boyfriend of mine, who I'm still in touch with, uh, is a sound engineer. Okay. And so I sent it to him and I said, I just want you, I want to see if you can clean this up or figure it out or whatever. And I sent it to him and he sent it back to me and I said, so what'd you think of that? And he said, I just couldn't even bring myself to listen to it more than once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so it gave him a little bit of a scare, huh? It it did. And I I remember it was never, well, no, when I lived in my haunted apartment, it was scary. Um because I didn't know what was going on. But it was never once I started doing it and capturing my own EVPs, it was never scary per se, but it was this sense of, oh my gosh, can you believe that happened? Yeah. And I still sometimes think back, and you know, I'll still every once in a while catch myself thinking, oh my God, ghosts aren't real, you know, or whatever. <laughs> We're all deluded. We're a bunch of deluded morons. And I, I don't know, do you do that too? Still occasionally think, oh, we're a bunch of deluded morons. No, I, 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 I don't, I don't think that. I mean, I do think that there are people that need that in the, in the field they need to be a little bit more objective and use some critical thinking rather than thinking every ball sure. of light they see is a you know right. some or you know some gobbledygook EVP. It's like I've heard some EVPs where people are like, "Yeah, man, that's what it says," and it's like even after they tell me what it says, it's like it's, what? And it's just it, you, you don't. It's like a zipper, you know, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, 
I, I just think that that's, I, I just think that that's, you know, the nature of the beast. No, I know, but I guess my, my, because I spent so many years from the time I was 21 until, you know, a few years ago, it totally in denial about the existence of ghosts. So the mm-hmm. denial, um, is, I, it still pops back into my head every once in a while. Right. And I'll think, um, holy crap, we're just all a bunch of deluded idiots. What are we thinking? Of course, this isn't. And then I'll think about, um, an EVP, like when I'm up at Wellington and, and you hear, uh, we were filming for what we thought was going to be the documentary at the time. And, uh, Stephen was programming our little auto slate, you know, the little thing that you slap before each scene. Right. And he said, what's the name of this documentary again? And I said, Avalanche of Spirits. And you hear a little voice go, Avalanche of Spirits! <laughs> you know, or the time, you think of the time when the kids are being goofy and a little teeny voice comes up and says, want to play? And, and I think about all of these things and I think, how can I even go back to thinking that I was ever deluded? Yeah. You know, how can how can that denial still kick in from time to time? It never lasts very long because then I start thinking about all the things I've seen and experienced. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's it's really funny. My denial still comes back from time to time. Yeah, I, I you know what I've been I've been convinced for so long. You know, after after getting involved in this at such an early age, it's like. You know, I, I, I cannot. I, even though I will not debate a skeptic, because let's face it, it's pointless. But I know what I've seen. I know what I've heard. I know what I've experienced, and I'm not going to have somebody tell me any differently. Right. Exactly. So um, it is a six fifteen, and other times in the flyover states. <laughs> and here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to break. And when we come back, we'll be talking with our guest, who is Jessica Morocco. And she is a psychic medium. And um, I was on her radio show. She's a cool chick. So we'll have a good talk. Uh, so stick around. Rick and I are going to take a break. We'll be back in just a minute. It's Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. UFOs, hauntings, psychic phenomena, demonology, urban legends, and so much more. Where all these things come together. Paranormal Underground Magazine. Explore the unexplained. Hey, this is Karen Frazier, writer and radio host with Paranormal Underground. Since I wrote my book, Avalanche of Spirits, The Ghosts of Wellington in 2010, people have asked me what happened next. In my new book, Dancing with the Afterlife, a paranormal memoir, my Wellington story continues. Dancing with the Afterlife is more than the continuation of the Wellington story, however. It's also the story of a lifetime of afterlife research and paranormal encounters. What I've learned has changed my life, and it might change yours as well. To learn more about Dancing with the Afterlife or to read an excerpt from the book, visit DancingWithTheAfterlife.com. Thank you. Hey everyone, Chucky G here. Come join me on my show, In the Dark Radio, where we talk with guests on everything from ghosts to cryptids. Starting from 10.30 p.m. to 12 a.m. Eastern, come into the zone and have some fun, right here on the AZ Radio Network. Join host Rick A. along with paranormal investigator Chuck G. on an exciting new web series. SCNIMGearedEvents.org, YouTube, and UK's The Haunted Channel. Ghosts, cryptids, UFOs, urban legends, eerie events, chasing the unknown.
to the Hazy Radio Network.
The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Hazy Radio Network, its affiliates, or sponsors. All shows are independently owned and broadcast for entertainment purposes only. Hey everybody, welcome back to Paranormal Underground Radio on HazyRadio.com. We are your hosts, Karen and Rick. Joining us right now is Jessica Morocco, author and psychic medium. Uh, Jessica, welcome to the Underground. Hello, Rick. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, we're excited to have you. Thank you, Cheryl. Actually, this Karen. is Karen now. Just yeah, Karen. Okay. I know so <laughs> many voices. Try the two female voices. Well, Cheryl, Cheryl won't talk the rest of the time. She, you know, oh, okay. we, we make her we make her sit with the control board most of the yeah. time. Well, the first time I made the mistake, so I thought I'd cover it this time, but I guess I was wrong. <laughs> so, Jessica, you should you're you're well aware of the hazards of radio making, however, because you have your own show. Yes, I actually have two shows on different networks, but um, you know, it sort of evolved in a way that I was in one show, and then that that um, network went down, and then before you know it, I was looking around for another show, and ended up on two other networks. So. Um, but it's good. I, I enjoy it, you know, tremendously, and um, it's a lot of fun. I can see that you guys have equal amount of fun that I do. <laughs> we, we have a good time. So would you tell our listeners, just so they can find you and listen to you if they'd like, where those shows are and when they are? Sure. Um, I am on uh, Paraspeak Radio, which is based out of Michigan, and it is a show called Beyond Smoke and Mirrors. And mostly it's discussion and talk about uh, the paranormal. Uh, mm -hmm. My co-host, Eric Perry, is a paranormal investigator. And I come from the other aspect of things, being more of the psychic intuitive. Although he's kind of pulled me into uh, paranormal investigations since I've met him. And it's been a little fun. But um, So that's the first show. And that takes place every Monday evening from it's 9 o'clock um, Eastern Standard Time. To nine o'clock until eleven. Uh, my second show is on Wolf Spirit Radio, which is based out of Nevada, and that is um, my own program that I do called Answers from the Universe. And so it's an eclectic blend of people from all different um, walks of life regarding, you know, the spiritual um, journeys and meditation teachers and and uh, people who talk about hypnosis and all sorts of metaphysical topics. Very cool. And that's on Tuesday, uh, Thursdays from 2 to 4 Eastern Standard Time or 11 to uh, 12, uh, 11 till 1 on uh, Pacific Time. Perfect. Thank you. Great. Thank you. So, Jessica, you have known that you have your ability since a very young age, correct? Yeah, well, you know, it's one of those things where you, I grew up in a family of six, and so I was the quiet one. I say I was the second to the youngest, mm -hmm. and um, I was having some very strange experiences, but uh, I, I realized early on, not to say a whole lot, um, I would see things in other dimensional space. And it wasn't just ghosts. I was seeing other types of ex uh, other types of things like um, strange atmospheric um, uh, textures. Okay. And, and things that were unexplainable and to this day no one's fully explained to me what I was seeing uh, and so that happened early on and I'd say to my friends or the kids in the neighborhood hey you know oh look at the bubbles or what is that in the sky you know and I'm kind of reaching and trying to touch it 
and they'd be like, uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, good. What's wrong with, oh, so, oh, it's nothing, nothing, you know, just, and you'd forget about it. But, um, uh, you know, I also had some nightmares, and, uh, and then there was one incident, which was not a nightmare, where I saw myself uh, probably around the age of five or six in the middle of the night um, looking up at the sky, wondering why no one else was around. And uh, outside, fully dressed, I knew I was supposed to be in bed. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking up above the house and noticing a spacecraft above the house. And so that Ooh. was um, like a lucid dream, but a very strong memory. Interesting. And uh, yeah, it was it was very very unusual. And you know, I, I joke about it. I say, you know, I don't think I was abducted. I think they were getting rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> they were dropping you off. <laughs> They're dropping me off. So that was kind of the feeling I had. You know, just looking up. I w- I didn't have any fear. I I did notice that you know the whole um, uh, neighborhood looked very distorted, and almost hmm. like that fisheye lens type yeah. distortion. It, um- it, it sounds like what you have experienced quite a bit of is what, you know, what, what us researchers and investigators will call high strangeness. Oh, okay. Well, that's <laughs> is, is that a scientific category or is that just uh, a, a new label? That's a, no. that's a label for, for things surrounding um, usually UFO and alien yeah. abduction type of thing. And mm-hmm. it's it's where all sorts of weird things start to happen once somebody's had contact with UFOs. Um, so, you know, it can be anything from, like, psychokinetic activity to strange sightings to, you know, there's just this broad category of things that seems to be uh, common to people who have had these these alien experiences. It would, is that how you'd categorize it, Rick? Yeah, I think so, too. But, you know, a, a lot of times with, um, with high strangeness, um, their poltergeist activity is involved as well. Right. So, right. I, yeah, I mean, it's, it definitely sounds, it's, it's an old, it's an older term. It's probably been around since like the, maybe the sixties or the seventies. But, um, yeah, it almost sounds as if that that's what you have, what you experienced as a child. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it was, um, you know, very unusual. And like I said, I grew up in a family of six and I really didn't talk to anyone about it. Sure. And I knew that I could hear other dimensionally. I could see at times. Um, I had a different type of awareness. And I knew things that others didn't know. And mm-hmm. so, you know, uh, people like myself, uh, usually, you know, you withdraw. You don't want to talk about it. And a lot of times you yeah. block it out. You, you just yeah. you just want to be normal. You want to be like everyone else. And so uh, it wasn't until I got older that um, I started to... Uh, I, well, I had an incident where um, I had a full vision while I was walking down the street in the middle of the afternoon. And so thinking that, you know, mm-hmm. I was thinking about my regular, I was going through a divorce, I'm walking down the street in my mm-hmm. hometown, and, uh, and and suddenly I get this, like, holographic view of this movie screen from the past. And um, seeing myself as, like, a southern belle and, and uh, seeing myself get murdered by this body of water, um, it, it was like a horrific scene, and I'm watching this. It was like a rape-murder situation, and I'm like, the tears are rolling down my face. I'm like, what's happening to me? And, you know, first of all, I'm seeing myself get murdered, and then the other part is, what am I looking at? What is this? And why do I have this extra screen on the inside of me? It looked like a movie screen. And so um, 
I realized that I was tapping into the Akashic Records, which is... So you were seeing a past life vision then? Yeah, yeah, so I, I was... But I didn't understand what it was. And so here again, then I said, I don't want to ever see anything like that again. I don't know what that was. Am I losing my mind? It becomes very frightening at first because there was no one there to explain it. I grew up in a, you know, Catholic home and, and you know, none of these things were talked about. And I didn't know anyone that, that got into the metaphysical. So um, it was, it just randomly happened. But um, it wasn't until um, years later after I had my son that, you know, I felt very stressed. I went to a meditation class, and then the explanation of opening up your chakras, your third eye, all of this stuff started happening, and then I became much more aware, and everything just completely opened up, and I was giving messages to people, and people were confirming it, and um, also doing past life readings for people, because I could have a clear vision of, you know, looking in, into the past, and, uh, and so... You know, then I started doing readings, and people kept coming, and then, you know, from there, that's that's what I do for a living, is is I do readings, do meditation classes, and um, psychic fairs, and all that all that type of stuff. So, okay. I know, um, you know, because I've had a lot of similar experiences, you and I have talked about this, mm-hmm. and um, it took me a really long time to not think it was all BS. And to not think I was just making crap up and getting lucky. How how long did it take you to really trust these messages and readings that you were giving to people? And what was it that, that allowed you to sort of relax into it and trust? Uh, you know, I, I didn't really focus on whether or not they were accurate. I felt like, you know, the way that they were nodding their head and they were kind of like freaked out a little bit. And I was like, <laughs> all right, I think I'm, I'm hitting it all right. You know, I'm not saying that I'm 100% perfect or I'm better than anyone else. Or, right. You know, we, we know how it is. And if you do it enough and you become friends with a lot of other intuitives and you realize that people have their gifts and, and or pretty much I think everyone can be open like this but you know I do have some of the strangeness or of of whatever you know however that's defined where I do see other dimensional space too which others a lot of people don't see Um, we can get into that afterwards but uh, for the most part I recognize what I was getting was pretty much accurate they would nod and that was okay but I would go past that and say you know what I'm actually helping these people so when I saw the higher good in it and I thought, well, this is not just about the message, and it's not about my ego, or whether I'm right or wrong. This is real, like, am I helping these people? And and sure enough, they would come back, and, you know, they'd, they'd come to me in tears, and they really had these problems, and then they start to see things uh, for themselves, and then their problems would be solved, and, you know, that would make me feel good about it. So, um, yeah, I got past the part of whether I was accurate. And I used to tell people, you know, if I'm not right, I'm not right, or if I'm picking up something from s- someone else around you, you know, then, then we can figure it out. But um, I don't know if anyone that's 100% right every time, you know. No, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So the atmospheric disturbances that you see, that interests me. So that sounds like maybe other dimensional sight for sure. One of the things that I occasionally see um, in places where I shouldn't is I see like um, it almost looks like heat waves. It's the only thing mm-hmm. that I can describe it as. So is yeah. that the type of thing you're talking about? No, this this actually looked like like almost gelatin. Um, and it actually looked like I could touch it and it would be spongy or something. It was wow. very bizarre. I've never 
And the only thing I could think of is that potentially there was um, extraterrestrial activity going on in the space, or something was going on that just wasn't wasn't quite um, typical. And I mean, I don't see it now. It was more uh, prevalent when I was younger. I mean, that specific thing. Um, the other thing that I do see is is um, I'm seeing other places that don't exist on the Earth. Okay. Um, okay. I've had some incidences of remote viewing. I know what that is, and you know, find that I'm looking at something. I'm like, well, where is this? You know, I don't know. Sometimes I'll close my eyes and I'm looking at someone's house. I have no idea why I'm looking at that house, you know, but um, then there's times when I'm looking at a city that doesn't exist here, hmm. and I don't know where it is, and uh, whether it's futuristic or other dimensional space, which I I, I try to talk to people about, is, is that there's other dimensional existences that I can't explain, and right. I've, I've seen in the life between lives space, uh -huh. where people pass over, and then they exist, and I've seen, had a little glimpse into that area, um, and uh, also, like, cryptids and stuff like that, I could see them in different locations, that's what, how I know, I feel like they're extraterrestrial, they're not, or they're either that or they're in other dimensional space, like, like spirits on the other side, and then they step through the veil at times, and then they come out, like Bigfoot, okay. so, yeah, okay. I see that kind of stuff as well so and extraterrestrials of course I see extraterrestrials sometimes I'll hear them talk um, really yes it's interesting it's really bizarre what do so, they say <laughs> <laughs> some, of, some, some of them are sarcastic <laughs> they're not um, they're they've, they'll play with me you know I mean the first time I saw like what looks like the grays is uh, I was looking at one and I said, oh, oh my God, I said, that's, that's an alien, you know, <laughs> you know, you talk out loud in your mind and all of a sudden I got this image, like he was speaking to me, you know, through images and showed me like um, a profile of my face and my eyelashes and he said, and you look like a bug. So in other words, like, they're, they're sarcastic, and um, there was another time when I was brushing my, you know, you, you do these, like, mundane things, you're brushing your teeth, or, or, you know, combing your hair, or something like that, and then all of a sudden you hear them, you know what I mean, and say something, and in this case, you know, um, I heard he was talking about something, and I said, wait a minute, who is this? And I saw, you know, like uh, an alien, right? And he said, I'm your brother. And I said, I said, you're not my brother. I said, I could see you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just like, like they play and they said, no, no, I'm your, uh, you know, like stepsisters. I mean, it's just said something like really bizarre. And I was just like, all right, I don't even want to talk to you right now, you know, because they were just, they, they mess with me sometimes in, in a, kind of a comical way and I think what they're trying to do is make me laugh you know not okay. just to laugh but maybe I'm upset about something or I think they come to cheer me up I don't, I don't know how to express that but um, there there have been some that have like yelled at me and it was like one of them looked like for um, a lack of 
better words, look look like a, a bug or a locust, but he was large. Uh-huh. And um, he had a very high-pitched tone and was, like, reprimanding me about something, but I never quite understood what that one was talking about. Uh-huh. So, it's, you know, it's just really weird stuff. I don't, I don't know. Right. Well, it, you know, insects... Um, Insects are something that uh, you, people have claimed to commonly see. I mean, it's not just the greys that are out there zooming around in hot rods of the gods. It's also uh, people have claimed to see Bigfoot-type creatures in some of these, mm-hmm. and, as well as bug-type creatures. Um, de- definitely things that have evolved in other parts of the galaxy, or universe even. Right. Well, this they, they were large. They weren't exactly like a bug, but they were very much like a bug and I heard the word locust and it made me go look up online and then I realized that um, you know I started getting a little little uh, upset because I think there was a mention of it in revelations about the locusts mm. and uh, so I was uh, yeah it was a little discomforting you know but there there was another incident where um, I saw uh, th- this creature and it had blood in his sharp teeth and and I knew it wasn't human and, but it was really close to my face. You know, you could see how, you know, the proximity of where it was kind of to the left of my face. And I was like, okay, um, well, this seems a little hostile, but I don't know what this is about. And I didn't really communicate with them. I just kind of looked at it. And uh, then I heard chupacabra. And I was like, oh, I said, well, what's a chupacabra doing here? And why, you know, because here I'm in Massachusetts. And uh, just trying to figure that out, but I could see it very clearly. And I looked online the following day, and, and um, other people have had drawn pictures of of their encounters of chupacabra. It looked very similar to what I had, look, oh, had looked at. Well, you know, with the, with the chupacabra, um, I have a family that live in Puerto Rico, and what they describe in Puerto Rico is like this very much an alien looking thing. It's bipedal. But here in the United States, they talk about the chupacabra as being a dog-like animal. That's because we see a bunch of hairless coyotes and assume they're chupacabras. Exactly. (laughs) Well, this one, this one had blood in its mouth. So uh, my impression was that they were extraterrestrials and that, um, uh, maybe they didn't have their they didn't have access to their typical food source, and so they I don't know if they um, went to you know animals the blood of animals or whatever it was whatever they needed I don't know, but I didn't feel like they were doing it just to be mean, but more of uh, like I said he, he didn't threaten me I just it was just just very uncomfortable to see the yeah. blood in his teeth. Sure. So they're not jerks, they're just hungry, is what you're saying. Yeah, they were hungry, yeah. Yeah. um, Whatever, you know, wherever they were originally from, they probably had a different food source. Sure. So let's talk about, you said that you've seen into the life's between lives space. And I'm always interested in what people see and encounter there. So what, what is it that you've seen there? Um, it's, some of it looks a little bit like here on the, on Earth. And I guess when you think about it, it would make sense because if, if we're, you know, our experience is, is um, being on the earth, then um, having, you know, an environment that looks somewhat similar, you know, would make sense. Um, right. What I did notice is that um, some of the view that I had, well, there were people were gathered in circles, like um, 
kind of like those groups that you would sit down or, or you know, we do like a meditation group. It's in a circle. The native mm-hmm. people sit in a sure. circle. Mm-hmm. And and my realization of that was, oh, um, so uh, people are here, you know, and they, they go into the afterlife. And now they're working through what happened in their experience and say they went through a uh, you know, a horrible accident, or they had um, some kind of serious illness that lasted for a while, like cancer or leukemia, or um, maybe they had terrible uh, relationships with people or were separated from their families, and so there's, there's some kind of trauma occurs, and so in the afterlife, they sit in these groups and they work through and try to understand what they needed to learn out of that, and then when they're ready, they come back. And so I saw them sitting in these circles. And I said, oh. well, maybe maybe that's where we learned to do this. You know, like AA kind of sits in a group and, yeah. you know, yeah. um, self-help groups. They, they're always in this circle. Well, how do we know this? Well, I think they do that in, in the life between lives. Well, we even do it with kids in school where they have circle time, where they sit and they tell the stories and, they're, and sing songs and all of that stuff in their little circle, too. Sure, and, and and that would make sense because for some reason that that creates the the right dynamic for, and and um, our our subconscious remembers these things, and so our subconscious would readily accept. They understand what the circle means. The circle means is that we're going to work through something, so that that was my interpretation of it. Okay, well that makes sense to me. Interesting. Well, and so that's really interesting that you say that because I think I, I you and I have talked about that I have had the life between lives hypnotherapy mm-hmm. and um, I distinctly remember people in circles and that as well so yeah hmm. yeah there's, very there's, cool there's you know it's, it's almost like I probably would have to think about it but I've also seen like these um, like guardians there you know in between and standing there and, and kind of protecting the space and um, ascended masters yeah and almost in both ascendant masters and angels, right, and like guides, things like that. Yeah, sure. yeah. Angels look different. Yep. So Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> yeah. Um. All I know is that you have a connection to Edgar Allan Poe, but I know nothing about it. Oh, okay. So this will be fun. Yes. <laughs> I love Edgar Allan Poe. By the way, he's one of my favorite authors. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I know he's he's very very um. You know, he kind of did his own thing and uh, was not not like the rest of the uh, people during his time. And he's transcended that time, even though his, his writings are kind of archaic. Um, what, what happened was, is, uh, when I started to open up and I started hearing, and I was, I had some really fun things happen. Similar to the alien story, um, I was doing laundry in this, t- this time. And... Uh, I heard someone say, I have a story for you. And I said, all right, well, that's great, but I'm, I'm, I'm working right now, and can you just hold on? You know, trying to get the clothes in. I had to, you know, I had to finish certain things in the house. And uh, I went upstairs, and what I did was I started um, channeling or, you know, automatic writing. But I was, I was doing it on the computer and just channeling whatever was coming in, sentence by sentence. And it sounded a little like old English. It was a little archaic. Um, but I kept on, you know, writing it. And suddenly I had this story. And I didn't know where the story came from. And then over time it became a series of stories. 
all different topics. And in the end, like I said, it started off with a story, but never know how it would end until I got there. And um, I decided to, I was like, well, you know, I wanted to write a book. And they said, well, put all these stories together and publish it. And I said, okay. And, and I even drew the pictures of what I was seeing with each story. And I said, well, what do I call this book? And I heard macabre. And I said, macabre? I said, wow. I said, I guess that goes along with some of the writings. And then all of a sudden I had the window opened up and I could see Edgar Allan Poe. And he's seated behind this brown wooden desk. And there's a bookshelf behind him. And he goes, ah, there you are. And from there we started talking, and I said, so you gave me all of these stories, and he, I said, you gave me the title Macabre. This was a story that you used. Uh, it was a title that you used for one of your stories. And he smiled, and he said, we have so much, so much work to do together, something to that effect. And um, every now and then, you know, I would see him. So now I, I published a book, and I'm, I'm just looking at the book right now to see date that I published is 2011. Um, this past spring, I went, uh, a friend of mine told me that um, the spirit of Edgar Allan Poe was seen in Rhode Island. Now, I don't live that far from Rhode Island. And uh, a place called the Athenium, which is a library um, in Brown University. And so I said, all right, well, I'm going to come down there. I just really feel that I'm supposed to come down and see what this is all about. And so I go all the way down there. I'm standing in the library. I go to the the lower level. Then I go up to the second level. And when I go went to the, the third level, which is sort of like a loft, and I have this on my website if you want to check it out. Um, in the loft, there are certain areas um, where there are bookshelves, and then in front there are desks. And I stopped and looked at this one desk, and I said, why does that look familiar to me? And then I turned around and looked behind the desk, and I saw the bookshelf, and I said, Oh, my God, this is where he talked to me from. So oh. I went over. Yeah. <laughs> so I sat down. His ghost is there. Right? So I sat down on the desk, and I looked over to my right, and there were at least six to seven books with the name Morocco on it. Really? Which is my last name, right? Yeah. Spelled a little different. So my friend arrives who told me about this, and, she, and I brought her back up there and looked around, and she said, look at this. And she found a book in that very section that I, for somehow I overlooked it, almost the exact same spelling of my last name. Hmm. With, it's M-A-R-R-O-C-C-O. I think the spelling of the book was M-A-R-O-C-C-O. And I was like, who would put this book here because it's not the correct spelling of the country and why is this here and why are all these books you know I mean it's I knew he knew that I was going to be there yeah and I said this is a validation that um, you know this is where he was this is the desk I took pictures of it and put it on my website I said no one's going to believe me but I said I, there's no way I mean I didn't tell him to put my the put all those books there uh, with the name Morocco Wow. wow. So, yeah. And um, then there was another incident where um, prior to that, I moved into this house where I'm living at right now. And um, my boyfriend actually purchased the house. And 
when I walked through there, he goes, I gotta show you something. I said, what is it? He goes, well, there's some albums that are left here, and they're kind of old. They're from the early uh, 1900s. And I looked at the the, the records, and uh, one of them was Dance Macabre. Mm-hmm. So that happened after I wrote the book. And um, also, uh, he was, my boyfriend was digging up something in the cellar, or is actually, you know, the entry into the cellar, and he found what's called a Meerschaum, Meerschaum pipe, yep. which is made out of some kind of shell, or like the old sailors would have mm-hmm. those. Okay. And so I thought, oh, that's cool. I said, so we found something from someone who lived here, and I know there was a lot of uh, fishermen, and I'm, I, I'm right near the coast. And I looked it up, and Amir Chom, and then there's a quote of Edgar Allan Poe, and I said, oh, you did it again. <laughs> so there it is. <laughs> so um, part of the information he told me is that I was his wife, Virginia. That's why he's around me. Okay. Okay. And that would be his kind of younger cousin. It was kind of incestuous, I guess, but. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He did marry his younger cousin, much younger cousin. Yeah. Uh-huh. She was like 13 or 14. Yeah, she was too young and she mm-hmm. was related somehow. So has he told you uh, what happened to him at the end of his life? Because he, his death was kind of mysterious, as I recall. Um, he just, they sort of found him wandering and incoherent. Yeah, um, I, I did, you know, I talked to a few people about that because, you know, people knowing that I was interested in him, they, they were felt pretty passionate about you know what had happened, and I guess that yeah. those days they did this thing with um, politicians would, um, in order to get votes, they would they would almost like kidnap people and and um, you know make them you know kind of a, like a mind control thing and get them all to go out and vote for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but there was a lot of abuse involved, and uh, he had a um, cousin and. Uh, or a, a relative, I guess, that, that was kind of underhanded and wasn't very nice to him. And, you know, he had some problems with his relatives. And so I asked him, I, I asked him if that's what happened to him. And he, and he said, you know, pretty much confirmed that's what it was. You know, there was a kind of a betrayal of, of family and friends, you know, there. In right. situation. Huh. Interesting. I mean, he yeah. clearly had a, you know, drug and alcohol problem too, but, um, he did. Yeah, and some depression issues. Yeah. I, I seem to remember hearing, though, that he was also a suspect in a murder. Yeah. Um, you mean yeah. that he got murdered or that he was the one who murdered someone? That he was the one that murdered someone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I know I know what you're talking about. It was because of uh, a story that he wrote, right? Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. it... I can't remember the name of the story. It's, I'm totally blanking on the, it. Is it the Telltale Heart? It might have been the Telltale Heart. It was something else, but it was, um, yeah, it, it just seemed that everything in the story mirrored um, what had happened to this girl that they found dead in uh, behind a bush in a field. And some people think that, that it may have been her family that finally caught up with him and did him in. Yeah, I don't think that's what happened. I think it was like a copycat murder. Um, hmm. But okay. that, that's my opinion. I mean, as someone, I could be wrong. I, I don't feel that um, con- 
100% positive about it. I don't believe he did the murder. I think he fantasized about a lot of stuff. I think he didn't feel empowered and he needed an outlet. Yeah. And right. so, um, you know, the, I think for the most part he was um, interested in all sorts of things. I think he was very intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that he murdered. I think he, he had more pleasure in, in writing about stories and just making people uneasy, you know. Sure. Well, and he did what, you know, many writers of fiction do. And, you know, every every work of fiction, in my opinion, starts out with the words, what if? Mm-hmm. And you, you start to ask yourself what if questions. And a good writer of fiction can immerse themselves in the what ifs, which is how he can write so convincingly about the guilt of killing someone like he did in The Telltale Heart. Or, you know, any of the other things that he's done, he asked himself, what if? Yeah, well, even the House of Usher, I mean, all of them yeah. are just, I mean, it puts you on edge, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, this is, this is the, um, the horror flick that, that people, you know, um, go to the movies for and just can't wait to be frightened. Um, it's, it's the campfire when someone tells a scary story and, you know, the worst happens afterwards. Um, yep. And he was a master of it. I remember. He was. I remember reading The Raven as a teenager and just being like, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> Never liked those How words. And even his romance was kind of, you know, creepy. Yeah. You know, everything was kind yeah. of creepy. And and but I mean, I don't. I I don't have that. I mean, I. He's he's very stoic when I see him. I mean, he's not one to sit there and laugh. But um, he's very, very stoic. Uh, it's just never cracks a smile, even though he's sort of happy, you know? Okay. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, imagine Edgar Allan Poe not being a joker, huh? Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> he is. I mean, he's sure, sure he has his wit. Yeah. But um, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's something, tr- you know, uh, something still bothering him, even on the other side. Uh-huh. Yeah. So why hasn't he come back? to write himself and reincarnated why is he doing it this way instead you know that's a good question I you know I don't ever th- when it's funny because I'm usually I usually think about stuff and ask a lot of questions but when I see him I don't think about asking him anything and it's almost like um, I won't say it's intimidation it's almost like just like he really doesn't want to be asked, and um, okay. uh, yeah, no, it's a good question though. But it, I, and I'm not saying that that's not how I am. I mean, I'm an open book, and people ask me questions. Right. I pretty much will say everything. But there's something about him that's aloof and just, you know, I'm here, and he's got a very strong presence when he's when he's around. Okay. Well, clearly he must have a strong presence if he can, you know, actually you can automatic write or he can automatically write through you. That takes a fairly strong presence to be able to do that. Because I've tried to do that with other spirits where it just hasn't worked. It's a spirit who has kind of the stronger abilities to manipulate things or that allows itself to be channeled. Right. And and uh, the, the, the story that um, I wrote that really, really felt like it was his writing the most was um, the story called The Druid and um, 
I mean, if you want, I could read a little bit of it, but I mean, sure. I, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. So it's the Druid fought. He burned and rumbled. He took a hold of the earth like a waxen candle. The light didn't shine when his mind didn't incline to do evil on earth with his wicked design. A candle of wax dripping glow, he let out with a scream while the blood did flow. A horrid cry, oh why, oh why did this dark druid singe his black garment in the fire? He hid the innocent in a blood-filled cauldron, then buried them out in the tombstones where the spirits did know him. Many dastardly deeds that no one could conceive, he yelled out with his eyes that he could not conceal his many lies, and refused to say another word about the virgin's demise. A soft pounding on the earth from the vengeful deceased, rising up from the earth like a collection of angry beasts, the echo in, the, in his head was too strong to release, despite all the power he did conjure beneath him had laid all the victims before him. And then he says, Dark, dark, oh, darkest night let me be, he shouted as he covered his ears and tripped by the roots of a tree. Seek me not, thou foul beast of conscience. I will unleash my fury if you won't leave me to my own folly. What witness are you to see me as a mirror to point out every crooked angle on my face as I conceal it? You are my enemy, O conscience of mine, for you had seen everything when I cut out their eyes. Oh, the dripping blood of pool, flooding pools gone rotten, the sickening smell of burning flesh beneath my feet, for that is when I singed my cape sleeve. I longed for peace, but no peace was found. The stranger's hands reached up from the ground. I was pulled with the force of something magnetic. It held me there tight, and I could not repent of it. The whistle of the wind, the cry of the four-legged beast, as they all witnessed me falling fast off my feet. I collapsed from a gentle gust of a wind, though it barely pushed past me when I felt my knees buckle within. Then the moon had waxed and waned, I stood there pondering every thought in my brain. What woe, what terror to feel all hell within my chest. I cried to the dark to release all wretched pests. The maggots, the flesh, the rats that infest, the owls that came out to see what deeds have been put to the test. A raven awakened and let out a screech. The enemy in my head made my body capsize and weak. I lay mourning with grief. I can no longer move, so I hid in my hooded cape by the tombstone's rocky lawn. So small did the world seem, as if it collapsed in my mind. I could feel the earth move below me as I drifted off to sleep, in a soft, pounding rain made my senses feel blind. And then it goes on, you know. Um, but in the end, he finds himself peace he finds uh some insight which i felt good in the end but i mean it was just this, i was like this is not me i what is this coming out of me it's definitely <laughs> poish yeah it's yeah like very po like yeah so it, were yeah, you an dark. edgar Allan poe fan before this all began had you read a lot of poe no 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 i, I mean you probably didn't like that because i have a feeling people have told me for years that 
um, you know, there's a writer around you, but he won't say who he is. And so I remember hearing that probably about 20 years ago. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. And, and I mean, I never was really into, like, the horror genre. I never was fascinated by a lot of these types of writings. More, I was more of maybe a sci-fi person. Sure. Mm-hmm. But um, when I when I started writing this, I'm like, oh wow, this is people who know me. They know that I, I don't. I'm not depressed. I don't have a really dark side to me. Well, that was some pretty dark stuff there. It was very dark, <laughs> and it was very descriptive of how there was this this killing. It was it was like uh, some sacrificial stuff going on, and uh, yeah, it was you know that's him. Wow. Interesting. So um, that's in the book Macabre? Yeah, that's one of the stories. Um, I have, uh, you know, a bunch of stories. There were stories, short stories and poems. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's like 27 short stories and poems in, in the book. Uh, some of them, you know, talk about historical characters like Catherine Howard, who was... Uh, murdered by King Henry VIII. Um, I have something about Jack the Ripper, um, mm. the, the Jersey Devil, uh, the Thirteenth Child. Uh, there is, let's see, something, something like Lord of the Rings. Not Lord of the Rings completely, but it has the Elven people, the Gotlanders. Um, that that story Underwood, which was uh, the one that talked to me during the. Um, the, the story that I got when I was doing my laundry. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, what's You know, amazing? laundry makes me feel like that sometimes, too. I know. Laundry would do that to anyone. I know. <laughs> I actually don't mind doing I was like, what are you talking about? And and then there was this two time travel um, stories in here, which I Interesting. thought was, Yeah, pretty and, wild. And so all of those came from him? Um, I believe at least most of them did. Mm-hmm. Um, to, and in the end, uh, because I, I don't know, I mean, all of them have this sort of poetic old, old English yeah, uh, kind of prose-like uh, writing, which, you know, I hear it, you know, I'll hear it and I'll write it yeah. down. You know what, I'm, I'm not as effective as, as reading it, and I, that's why I think I, I'm like, I'm killing this right now. But, no, you did fine. Okay. <laughs> but in the end, I write a note, The Ode to Edgar Allan Poe. And I thanked him for giving me the title, and and um, you know it's 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 a nice little way to end the story. But there's there's some light in this whole thing. Um, I'm just gonna read the the Ode to Edgar Allan Poe is really short. Um, okay. I wrote, "Good night, my knight, for you will see that I have not forgotten about thee. Your darkest words did curl many toes and make their eyebrows lift just so." You were my friend and a companion in the end. I was your wife with a devotional glow. So now you know if it is true that lifetimes change, but never you. Thank you for sharing your wonderful words, your title macabre, and your darkest of prose. Until the end, I will be your rose. And so wow. that's the end ended the book. Huh. So do you feel like, because if you were his wife in a past life, Mm-hmm. But you said that he sort of just asking questions. 
do you feel like you have some kind of a relationship with him then? Or is it more of just, are you his channel? What is your relationship to him now? It's it's an unusual... It, do you ever... Have you ever met someone and you sit there and you're in their presence and you just know them? Yes. And yes. it's... It's really hard to explain because maybe you'd never met him, met them physically. Yes, but, but there's an ease there. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. It's almost like um, the idea of sitting in the living room with with a spouse, you know, mm. and and nobody's saying anything. You're sitting there, and maybe you're reading a book. He's watching TV, but there's that feeling that they're there in the room, and right. it's okay, and it's yeah. comfortable, and it's normal. That's what it is, and I. I it's, it's like I don't feel like I need to ask him a lot of questions. It's just sort of he is being who he is. He's being there. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's a really interesting interesting story. So if people want to um, see this book mm-hmm. and find it and buy it, how can they do that? Uh, they, they can uh, do a search by my name, which is I have it, Jessica Ariel Morocco. And then do uh, the title macabre, short stories and poems from the other side. Okay. And you have, now is that your only book or do you have some others as well? I have uh, four other books. I have a series of uh, stories that are also a little poetic, but they're for children. Um, Nothing, I don't believe Poe gave me these stories. I believe that came from... Um, you know, this it's the very elemental. Uh, that's the only way I can say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're called Green Stories for Green Children. Uh, there are a lot of little fun characters. I did the illustrations as well. And uh, they're to help children um, think about the environment, but in a fun way. Not thinking about, deliberately thinking about the environment, but loving the earth. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, so those three books. And then... I have another book that's um, for adults that talks about, I call it um, a loosely structured autobiography, and it's called The Seer, Violets in the Grass, and it has a lot to do with um, a lot of the the, um, past life regression work that I did, and and begins with a past life, I'm in a past life regression, and I recall a time in my early childhood, and this actually happened, where I was picking violets in my neighbor's backyard and as I was picking the violets um, I started noticing an unusual mist and realized that I stepped into another dimensional space and came back and felt different and um, when I came out of the regression I remember saying what was that something happened to me that I didn't even I I must have blocked subconsciously Mm. but something happened there and uh, so then the book, you know, of course, goes into it goes into fantasy. It talks about, you know, paranormal activity in my household as a kid, but also, you know, just sort of it's a parallel of, you know, living normal life, uh, normal everyday life, you know, um, just going to school, you know, growing up, having a child. And meanwhile, all this like other dimensional stuff's happening <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I get that. I understand. Yeah, so, I think we talked about that, Karen, didn't we? Yeah. So, do you feel like um, most of your writing is channeled? It probably is. Um, 
when when I was, you know, I, I do hear it. I'll hear it, and they'll say, oh, that, that sounds pretty good. Maybe I'm supposed to write it, and before you know it, I'm writing, you know, a couple pages. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, like the book, um, The Seer, I had probably archived um, a, a lot of different visions that happened to me, past life regressions, and even readings that I did for others who I'd named in my book. And uh, I saw that there was a contest for Balboa Press and Hay House. And a friend sent that to me, and I said, oh, wow, that's great. I'm going to try to enter that contest and see if I can get anything out of it. And so um, I looked at the, the date, and I said, oh, I have a month. And then I looked at, they were looking for at least 60,000 words. Ooh. And I said, oh, I, I can't do that. And, and then I heard, again. I, I heard my guide say, you know, Yes, you can. You've got all the material. Go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. And I put it together, and I actually came up with over 70,000 70, words and submitted it. And I didn't win anything, but I, it turned into me getting it published to Bevel Press Hay House. So that, that was good. It was exciting because um, they kept calling me and saying, hey, are you sure you don't want to have that book published? It's They kind of compared it a little bit to, you know, with the fantasy and angels and fairies and all that other stuff with um um uh during virtue so oh uh-huh yeah. yes so they thought it might be interesting for people and uh but you know i mean i talk about the paranormal in there too as well as uh, extraterrestrial stuff it's all over the map and uh and it, it's you know some really weird things that came up but um in the end uh you know, it even goes into Atlantis and some of the things that we learn and understand and, and some of my insights that I received. Because I believe these inf information visions, um, you know, a lot a lot of these are epiphanies, you know, to help us to understand mm -hmm. our world around us and, and right. you know, how we are complex beings. And, you know, we've lived in other dimensional spaces and, you know. It's, it's more of an exploration and, and ideas to help people to to see beyond the norm and and realize that our experiences has many different um, aspects to it and be open to it and so you mentioned briefly that you think that everyone has abilities and it's just a matter of whether they choose to pay attention to them or work with them. So what do you recommend as if somebody really wants to try to develop their abilities, what do you recommend they do? I believe that meditation opens the door to a lot yeah. of it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's learning to um, listen, you know, get into that quiet space and, and stop the mental chatter and uh, learning to relax and breathe and um, having someone even work through and clearing the chakra areas and um, you know sitting amongst a group where you can kind of test the waters a little and and uh, you know maybe do what's called psychometry where you hold someone's mm -hmm. an object that someone owns or and seeing if you, you can pick up information and there's no right or wrongs and usually it has to be a very safe non-judgmental place and you know people just you know meditating working on each other some people do kind of a hands-on healing or sort of a reiki thing where they'll sit behind someone and then just afterwards share with them you know images that they got or 
impressions or um, ideas that came up. And then you find out that, hey, you know, I'm actually picking up some information here. Right. And Hmm. um, it's, I believe that, in my opinion, and and I can't prove this, but in my opinion, I believe that we're all um, wired to be able to telepathically communicate. I agree. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I use the example of you're thinking about someone long enough that eventually, you know, you might get a call from them. And somehow you're you're connecting in a way that both of you start thinking of each other. Yep. And uh, yeah. That's true. just happened with my mother last night, as a matter of fact. Right. Yep. Cool. Okay, so we are now uh, at the part of the hour that we call the shameless self-promotion corner we've talked a little bit about where people can find your books and what your books are but also just anything you'd like to promote what do you have coming up do you have any websites of your own all of that stuff yeah uh, i think um anytime a person i I always let people know my website is um is uh www.readingsbyariel.com and that's a-r-a-e-l and um, as far as events going on, I, I do local uh, psychic fairs. I don't have anything really big happening at this time. Um, but uh, that's pretty much where people can reach me and all my information about my books, my story about Edgar Allan Poe, and, and um, other things that I'm involved in as, as far as radio shows. Okay, very good. Thank you for coming on. It went by awfully quickly, didn't it? Thank you. I know. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Karen. I appreciate it. And, you bet. And, I, and I love I love some of the information. Thank what you. was going on when I called in? <laughs> oh yeah, we'll, we'll we can talk about that a little uh, in a minute here if you want, Rick, because that was kind of funny. So okay, cool. Jessica Morocco, everybody. Readings by Ariel A R A E L dot com. Thank you. Thank you. A Have pleasure. a good evening. Pleasure being with you. Thank you. Yeah, us too. For us too. Good night. Good night. All right, guys, there she goes, Jessica Morocco, uh, readingsbyariel.com. You can find out, uh, you know, anything that you'd like about her, including her books, on that website. So, all good, right, Rick? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, they, they, they sound like very interesting books. And, you know, I myself, I am a huge fan of Edgar Allan Poe. I have been ever since I was a kid. And uh, the, what she read us really did sound very much like Poe. It sounded a little Poe-like. It sounded a lot Poe-like, a little. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it, it was very <laughs> Poe-like. And, and, you know, it's been a while since I've read Poe, but I used to read Poe quite a bit. And Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very fascinating yeah, I, I, stuff. Very. I, I read. I read the. Um, I read the Raven every Halloween. Do you really? And I've been doing. Yeah, I've been doing that for twenty-five years, maybe more. Every year. Uh-huh. Prophets that I think of evil. Prophets still of bird or devil. By that heaven that bends above us. By that God we both adore. Tell the soul of sorrow laden if within the distant Aiden it shall cast a fainted mm. maiden who the angels name Lenore. <laughs> cast a rare and radiant maiden who the angels name Lenore. Wow, I'm impressed. Quoth the raven, <laughs> nevermore. Never. Had to memorize that in the eighth grade. <laughs> yeah, I, so. you know what? I, I, read, I read it like every year and I've never actually memorized it. But, um, it's the only stanza I, I remembered. I still remember a little bit of the beginning too, but that's about it. Sure. 
So, yeah, we had to memorize the whole kit and caboodle. We had to memorize, like, that and the mercy speech from the Merchant of Venice and all sorts of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I remember things from the eighth grade. I still remember the Gettysburg Address, at least part of it, though, too. So, there you go. Yes. Yeah. So, hey, Cheryl. I don't remember anything. Well, what, were you afraid I was going to ask you if you did? Yeah. No, no, no. Now it's we're we're into you know the the pug and Chuck promotion period of the show. You know cool. the time of the show where I always call you on and say, "Hey, what's up? What's Chuck have coming up?" Well, after well, I was actually reminiscing back to my junior high school when we did have to memorize something, and I think I picked to pose uh, Telltale Heart. Uh-huh. And I don't mm-hmm. remember any of it right now, so sorry. You're good. I mean, I'm impressed with you. I put Karen, you go girl in the chat room because I was impressed with that. Yeah, that was pretty. That was actually pretty good. Uh, (laughs) Like I say, I I didn't know I could remember it. Like I say, I can remember the beginning. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary over many faint and forgotten volume of. Ah, see, I don't even remember all that. It's that stanza for some Mm -hmm. reason is the one that I remember. Yeah. Good stuff. While I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, 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 gently tapping at my chamber door. See, I don't even think that's right. Anyway, so, yeah, it's just that one stanza I remember. <laughs> it's pretty it's good. Like, it's like only certain parts of the brain fire now, you know? Yeah, I, I relate. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, really weird stuff. It's it, There's no rhyme or reason to crap I, I remember. Like, so my... my um, 30th high school reunion was just this last weekend and I didn't go but when I graduated from high school I thought oh my god I know everybody from high school I know everybody's name in my class and so I was looking through and I was looking at the pictures and I'm like who are these people (laughs) looking at their names who are these people I mean so it's not like my the things I remember are even terribly important you know (laughs) <laughs> or matter at all. I just remember these weird random things like that stanza of the raven. <laughs> so there you go. Anyway, so Cheryl, Chuck, Chuck's yes. show. Yes, uh, Chuck's show is coming up right after Paranormal Underground Radio. And he's talking with June Lundgren. She is a psychic medium. We've actually talked with her on Paranormal Underground Radio. I, it's, I think it was, you know, in the past couple of months we talked with her. So mm-hmm. stay tuned to listen to in the dark radio and next week yep great show next week we will be talking i don't even have to prompt her anymore rick you just wind her up and she goes (laughs) she knows all the questions i'm going to ask september 11th we will be talking to willie windwalker gibson he is a shaman supernatural consultant member of the paranormal clergy and founder of soul warriors supernatural come back next week also i want to say thank you to jessica because that was a really great show i enjoyed her readings i enjoyed learning about her her work and how she you know does things and i'm really actually interested in reading her short stories oh yeah totally me too yeah so um okay apparently rick has to go so rick good night okay good night guys Sorry about that. Bye. That's okay. That's just me and Cheryl winding up the show anyway. <laughs> you, know how it, you know how it is. Go do what you got to do. Um, mm-hmm, good night. Bye. So, good night. 
how about magazines? Anything you want to talk about as far as the magazine goes? Um, we expect our September issue to be online at paranormalunderground.net next, by next week. Hopefully by this weekend, but definitely by early next week. And what else is going on with the magazine? Just um, the August issue is also available at the site that I just named. If you have any suggestions for articles or any coverage that you'd like us to attempt in the magazine, please email editor at paranormalunderground.net. Oh, we need dreams. We need dreams, yes, for Karen to interpret. uh, I, Karen, consumer of dreams, would like to eat your (laughs) dreams. Um, So, you know, I do that dream interpretation column in the magazine. Yes, And um, people have been wonderful in that they've sent great dreams that I've been able to interpret every month. Uh, And we have none for this coming month. Mm -hmm. And so I would like to interpret your dream. We would be happy to do it anonymously if you don't want people to know the weird crap that goes on in your head. Uh, (laughs) You know, I understand that. Um, So you can email editor at paranormalunderground.net. You can ask Cheryl to please, please, please make it anonymous. And she will actually then submit the dream to me anonymously so that there's no possibility that your name goes in the magazine. So if you have a recurring dream, if you have like symbols that pop up in your dreams all the time. So I don't necessarily have recurring dreams so much, but I have um, dream certain themes that recur like i think didn't i just didn't isn't the article for september about elevators cheryl it is yeah yeah so that's one of the things that comes up that used to come up not so much anymore but it used to come up fairly frequently in my dreams were elevators um and so people sometimes just have symbols that recur in dreams and um i can shed some light on those symbols even i had an elevator dream like a few weeks ago Ah, did you read the elevator article and think, oh. Well, I I did. It made a lot of sense. (laughs) Well, and you had one that you and I, you had one that you and I talked through, too, that made things make a lot more sense, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really. I I send my dreams to Karen, because then she interprets them for me in (laughs) private. we don't publish those. (laughs) No, we don't. Yeah, that'd be scary. Because, ladies and gentlemen, that's just some strange stuff. (laughs) Yeah. You don't want to know what's going on in that head. Nope. Well, no, and here's the thing with dreams, is they can seem so totally messed up. They can. Mm -hmm. You can wake up and think, holy crap, that was the most messed up dream I have ever had. Yeah. And it just, there's no way this is never going to make sense. Right. And as soon as you break it down by the symbols, and I I start to explain the symbols to you, it's no longer messed up. It makes perfect sense, because that dream that you gave gave Mm -hmm. me was really messed up, if I remember. It was messed. I thought, what is wrong with me? Like, I thought, what am I, why am I thinking these, dreaming these things that make no sense and are beyond bizarre? And then you interpreted it, and I was like, whoa, that makes perfect sense. And it wasn't even weird. The interpretation. No, not at all. Uh, In the chat room, we have a question. I always Um, see 905. 905. So I guess numbers. Those numbers in the morning or night. Yeah. So um, I would want to know if he sees them in dreams, how he sees them, or if he just sees it at the clock, and that's what time his alarm is set. (laughs) Yeah, that could be. But numbers, numbers actually do mean things in dreams. Uh, a zero is like nothingness or emptiness. It's it's the empty space. You know, it's that thing that exists between here and there. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that uh, so that would be one. Let's see. Nine oh five. Did he say? Yes. Uh, nine is actually the number of completion. Oh. Um, it also can be like so. In numerology, nine is the number of completion. So supposedly, if you add up your birth date or something, and you your number's a nine, um, that means you're completing something significant. It can also mean like transformation or rebirth. Um, mm-hmm. And five, what is five? Oh, well, think about things that are associated with the number five. Rob says that's what's in his head. It's zero. So the things associated with the number five are like your five senses, things mm-hmm. like that. So it could have something to do with that. So I just got a Skype message from someone that says that they keep dreaming of you. What does that mean, Karen? Uh, yeah, that's Chuck. And that's just because <laughs> that's because he loves me. Okay, so that one's not so mysterious. All right. No, I would expect him really to dream more of Rick than me. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, speaking of Chuck, I suppose it's time to relinquish the controls to the man, huh? Yep, it's time for Chucky G to take over. All right, so let's do this. Uh, We'll be back next week. And uh, we have a show that I'm excited about. Sounds like it's going to be really cool. And um, are we? I'm off on the 19th. You are. You're off on the 19th. Or 18th, I mean. Yep. Okay. But the show isn't taking time off. No, no, we are we are on the air, and we have a guest scheduled, and so please check in. You'll have to miss Karen, but we will be on the it, air. It's okay. It'll still be a good show, I promise. Yeah. All right, so uh, stick around for Chucky G in the Dark Radio. It's going to be a good show, and thank you for listening. I enjoyed talking to our guest, Jessica Morocco, tonight, and uh, for Rick and Cheryl and myself, Come back next week, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, other times in the flyover states. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. Good night. You'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio? Email editor at paranormalunderground.net. Until next time, keep exploring the unexplained at paranormalunderground.net. Please join us next week for Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network.